On today's Know the News podcast, you'll meet a Northwest Arkansas man who knows how to help people break the cycle of crime and addiction and become functioning members of their community. How does he know? Because Nick Robbins was able to do it himself. Hello, I'm Rusty Turner, editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and I'm your host today for Know the News. Uh, We've got a great Northwest Arkansas profile story coming to you this weekend from our reporter, Laura Hightower. The story's on Nick Robbins. He's the executive director and co-founder of Returning Home, a ministry based in Springdale that is designed to help people who've been in jail or prison make the transition back into everyday life. Uh, Laura is here with us to talk about it. Hi, Laura. Hey, Rusty. And we've also got the man himself, Nick Robbins, who's also joining us today. Welcome, Nick. Well, thanks for having me on. All right. Laura, let's start with you. Um, Your story about Nick will be the featured article in the profile section on Sunday. What led you to Nick to do a story about him? Well, I interviewed him for the first time in 2017. Returning Home was doing uh, a fundraiser at the time, and so I wrote just a a very brief um, story about Nick and returning home in the fundraiser, Uh, but it focused mainly on what returning home does for the community, which is, it's an amazing program, um, and didn't touch much on Nick's background, but I was so impressed by his passion for what he did and and, uh, the information he gave me about you know, the statistics about how difficult it is for incarcerated people to incorporate back into the community that I just sort of filed it away in the back of my mind and thought he'd be a really interesting person to talk to for a profile someday. And uh, it took me four years, but finally I worked my way back around to talking to him. And his his own personal story um, was so compelling um, and so impactful. I, I was really happy that I did work myself, work my way back around there. Yeah, and we want to hear more about that. But but before we do that, Nick, tell us a, a little bit about returning home. What is it that your organization does, and how do you how do you help folks who are coming back from uh, from incarceration? Yeah, so returning home uh, is based out of the Returning Home Center, which is in Springdale, Arkansas. So uh, we focus on primarily reentry services. So. Uh, Anybody that's living in the community that got out of jail or prison, if it was they got out yesterday or they got out 10 years ago, if their past is hindering the future they desire, we we want to come alongside them and be able to help them out. And it could mean through uh, connecting them with our partners that are in, in the returning home center. Um, so we have uh, TCIY counseling that offices out of here and does all of the mental health services for our clients. Uh, we do... Uh, we have our, actually, uh, Arkansas Community Corrections Pro Officer, Officer Yosita, is housed out of here, and anybody that's in any of our residential programs, uh, he oversees them. Uh, we have closing closet, food pantry. Uh, we help, uh, we have our partner, Goodwill, helps with job services, so we focus on job placement and job retention uh, through that, um, and then we provide a, a number of uh, residential programs. So the the one that is Washington County focused is called the Community Alternative Program, which is um, an at- alternative to uh, sentencing somebody to prison or a, a long uh, jail term. If somebody is in Washington County Jail for low-level charges, uh, their attorney can reach out to us and say, hey, I would like to refer them to your program. Um, and then when, once we vet them and see if it's a good fit, we can accept them into our program and actually get sentenced to us. Uh, 
So um, they'll be with us for 90 days, going through class uh, every day and, and working full time and paying fines and fees and child support and uh, learn how to have healthy relationships and uh, beat their addictions and uh, a number of things like that. And then our there's 10 beds for that. And then our largest service uh, and through our uh, our partner, Phoenix Recovery, uh, they do the residential side is a 55 bed uh, transitional facility for men paroling out of prison. So these are guys that have done their time and looking to transition into society in a healthy way. And so if we send these individuals back to the homes or environment they came from, they're most likely going to, we're going to get the same result. So uh, we bring them here and, and we work with them individually to, to meet their needs. And, and, and ultimately our goal as returning home is to repair lives and restore families. Wow. And in reading Laura's story, I know that, uh, I know that this is very close to your heart because of your, of your uh, experiences. So, uh, um, uh, I'll just ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about that, about why this is such a, uh, such an important mission for you in your life. Yeah. So, uh, I, I was incarcerated at the age of 17 years old and, uh, let's say that the best way to describe what happened to me while I was there was, um, a group of people and an organization chose to invest in me, uh, even though I wasn't a worthwhile investment. So uh, they didn't come and say, hey, once you clean your stuff up, then we'll be willing to be a part of your life. They said, hey, we're here you, and accept you at your worst and, and we're gonna love on you until you become your best. And so it was a, a huge changing point, uh, turning point for, uh, for my life personally. Wow. And, uh, and so when you were released from prison, it, uh, this, was, uh, this became your calling uh, in other Absolutely. words. Yeah. So, and, and how did, uh, how did you wind up in Springdale? How did returning home get started? Yeah. So, um, through a number of jobs I had, uh, once I had gotten out, uh, at one point I was working for uh, prison fellowship ministries, which is a national organization, um, serving men and women, uh, that are in the prison system. Uh, I was working for them and originally started, uh, in working in Missouri area was where I was living. Um, and then they let me know that uh, there was a position open in Northwest Arkansas um, that I would be doing reentry services for a program of Arkansas covering Harrison, Northwest Arkansas, um, the Sebastian County area um, for, for the men and women coming from that program. And so I transitioned um, to this, uh, but continued to live in Branson, Missouri. So um, between uh, that time, I just did a lot of commuting a couple hours each way and uh, did that for about, I think it was 11 or 12 years. Um, and then ultimately, uh, originally when I was incarcerated, just had had a place on my heart that uh, that one day I was going to provide a, be able to provide a space for uh, individuals to change their lives because we can, we could want it. We could want the change, but if, if the environment doesn't uh, breed and produce change it's really hard to overcome because oftentimes we're just trying to do it on our own and within our own abilities if if, if that's what got us incarcerated was us leaning on our own understanding we have to be uh, willing to come alongside somebody and teach them a different way to understand so they can get a different outcome um, and and the outcome is something we desire as well as they do 
Um, so I just, at one point, um, about five years ago now, just took a leap of faith um, and uh, started returning home. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, our, basically our idea was we would just be able to go into the facilities there locally um, and try to make some impact. Um, but uh, what I would say is the Lord had a different plan and wanted it to be a much uh, bigger and uh, much more in depth than, than we ever imagined. So at this point, we're just, we're just holding on, trying to keep up with, with the continual growth of the, the nonprofit and, and just blessed to be, um, to be leading it. Laura, what was, uh, what, what was the key takeaway for you as you were putting this story together? What, what was it about this story that really resonated with you? That's um, really, I, I, it's hard to narrow down because I think uh, Nick's story sort of reached me in a way that I'm not sure many of the people I've interviewed have. And there are so many aspects to it that I, I walked away thinking about so many different social aspects about it. Of course, the one key aspect is that we need to figure out a way that recently incarcerated people can start over and, and live their lives and get good jobs and get, get safe housing. That was the key. But also I thought a lot about how Nick's honesty and his willingness to share what really was the darkest time of his life with not only his clients, but with the community. He, he does public speaking gigs and goes around the country and talks about his experiences. I thought a lot about how that honesty uh, benefits us as a society because it opens up conversations that we might not have otherwise. And one of the things that he talked about was untreated depression and um, mental illness and uh, drug addiction as a, a means of um, self-medicating, uh, especially for teenagers and adolescents. And um, I think that's a really important conversation to have too. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to write about his experiences. Nick, uh, Laura's quotes several people who work with you uh, um, at, at returning home, and, and one of the quotes really stuck with me, and I wanted to ask you about it. And this was a person who says that one of the reasons you're successful in reaching uh, folks with with this kind of this kind of background is that you understand the difference between grace and accountability. Uh, can mm. you elaborate on that a little bit for us? Wow. Um, yeah, I, there has to be. Um, both aspects have to be there uh, because we have to be able to accept people right where they're at to be able to be a part of their lives and, and help them grow. Uh, otherwise, we're telling them to clean themselves up, show up once you're you're to a point that I'm comfortable with being around you or comfortable working with you or comfortable giving you a job. But then there has to be that accountability because otherwise what we're doing is we're enabling people's behaviors. So we're, we're minimizing or limiting uh, the uh, outcomes of their actions. And that also doesn't help somebody change because they think a hey, worst case scenario, they're going to pay that bill. So I don't have to manage my money or worst case scenario. If I get fired from this job, this group will get me another job. Uh, so we have a very, very high level of accountability in our program. And I would say probably the biggest compliment I got from Arkansas community corrections, talking to our parole officers, he just said, Nick, if, 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 if if there's something you think we should do, if there's a decision that you think uh, you want to make, ultimately you are going to hold them at a higher 
level of accountability than we would. So I'm going to trust you. And, and, and that's important because we need all of our partnered organizations to know that, you know, we're not enabling people. We, we truly care about our community. We don't want our community to experience harm or, or, or to have to deal with crime. And, and the way that we're able to, to, to minimize that in our community is by uh, engaging with those that would be most likely to commit those crimes or to, to, to be that negative weight on the community. So once you're engaged with that group and you show them a different way, the community has never been safer. That's that's a pretty powerful way to put that. Uh, I, I will also tell you that, that another compliment that, that Laura's sources paid to you is that they talked about you have excellent organizational skills and that that, that you know, not only do you have this this way of, of, of reaching and connecting with people who 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 have have this kind of experience and need this kind of help, uh, that that your organizational skills are really strong and that that's helped build this organization. Where did that come from? How did you how did you learn that part of the job? Uh, a lot of that is because um, I've got this voice in my head that's pretty hard on myself, so I never believe I'm good enough for the position I'm in, and so that leads me every day to to strive to be better. Um, and, and so it keeps me looking for avenues of growth. Uh, I'm not okay with the, hey, this is how we always did it. So this is how we're gonna do it model mindset. Um, I, I don't believe I have all the answers. So I believe daily I need to seek them out. And so uh, over the years I had an opportunity to um, get some education from Wheaton College through a scholarship um, that really helped um, develop my ability to lead and uh, to organize nonprofits. Um, I also have had opportunities to go through uh, training, um, like a, a Achieving Capacity Together uh, a group was part of their cohort. And uh, again, we just kind of focused on that organizational side of, of piece that oftentimes when somebody is starting a nonprofit, it's because they're super passionate about something but they lack the ability to truly lead it and organize it properly. And so what happens is it kind of just lives and dies with that individual. Um, and so I am uh, very purposefully creating returning home to go far beyond me. If someday I, I don't have the skills to keep running it to the level it needs to be at, this is not going to die with me when I walk away or when I pass away, whatever that looks like. And, I, and I've seen nonprofits do that. I've seen very, very large national nonprofits take a massive hit when their founder stepped away. Um, and, and my goal to make sure everything is organized properly so that it could uh, sustain itself and go far beyond me is, is very important. Gosh. Laura, what, uh, um, before we go, what, uh, what haven't we talked about? What would you... Is there anything that we haven't said that you'd like to, to mention about your story or about Nick's program? I don't think so. I, I, I guess the one thing that I would say is just listening to him talk again today, it just uh, blows me away. He's, he's a young guy, uh, and he started a nonprofit um, that in five years has grown exponentially. It's been embraced by his community. It was funded. Um, Springdale uh, granted them $12,000 in April, I believe, is the figure, uh, supported by the um, police departments in the area. And he's so young, and yet he spent seven and a half years, 
you know, paying for his the mistakes of his youth. And he's already achieved so much, you know, that that a lot of us will never achieve in our lifetimes. And I just think uh, I can't wait to see where he goes from here. I, I think even more amazing things are probably in his future. Yeah. Nick, has there anything that we missed that you'd, you'd want to add before we before we uh, 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 call it a call it a day? Yeah, well, first off, uh, Laura, thank you so much for that compliment. That's, that's very kind, uh, very humbling. Um, what I would say is my hope um, by doing this story is not to uh, be boastful or prideful, but instead to give people hope that are either currently in their struggle or that have struggled and they're thinking I can never achieve uh, my dreams because of something I did in my past. Because uh, I know that I wish I could take back what I did in my past so that it didn't harm the people that it harmed. But I, I, I do not wish to take back a single experience that I had after the fact because that grew me into who I am today. And that gives me the fire every day to wake up and to be here at 6 a.m. in the morning and be excited to be able to serve this population. And the greatest trauma or the greatest mistakes we've made in our life could turn into be the greatest platform to change our community for the better. And if we're willing to uh, step forward and, and just trust that and seek people out to come alongside us. Uh, the community is only uh, improved uh, by us willing to do that. So, Nick, if one of our listeners uh, wants to contact, wants more information about uh, returning home or wants to contact you or wants to help out in any way, what's the best way they can do that? Yes, uh, definitely go to our website. Uh, I am the one that answers every uh, uh message that comes through our website or our Facebook account. So returning home, nwa.com. And we'd love to hear from you. So it's returning home, nwa.com. All right. And you've got a Facebook presence as well. Is that right? Absolutely. Yep. Right. Same, right. same thing. Returning home, nwa. Uh, we'll pull it up. All right. Well, I think our readers are really going to enjoy that story, Nick. And I think our readers are going to enjoy learning more about returning home and uh, knowing what, what the work you're doing in your community. I want to thank uh, Nick for being here and sharing his story and sharing uh, his experiences with us. Uh, be sure to look for Laura Hightower's story in the Sunday edition of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette on the Profiles cover. Thanks for being here, both of you. Thank you Thanks, so much. Sure. If you like our podcast, please subscribe and join us each week. We come out every Friday. There are plenty of other great stories coming your way in this weekend's holiday edition of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Janelle Jessen will update us on the latest developments locally on the coronavirus, and she'll also relate the heartbreaking story of a young woman who survived COVID, but her husband did not. She now regrets not getting vaccinated earlier. Doug Thompson will take an in-depth look at local government's hit-and-miss efforts to get rental assistance COVID relief money to the people who need it the most. Benton County seems to be getting the money out smoothly while Washington County's efforts are sputtering. We'll take a look at what's working and what's not. Our photographer, Charlie Cajo, brings you the moving story of Jill Stevenson, a gold star mom whose son, Ben Kopp, was an army corporal who died fighting in Afghanistan in 2009. Charlie's photo essay tells Jill's story in the light of the U.S. pullout from Afghanistan last week. 
In Fayetteville, more downtown parking changes are on the way. Stacy Ryburn tells us about the removal of some old school parking meters and a couple of rate hikes to boot. Thomas Sicente will tell us about Jim DeMonte's promotion to Crawford County Sheriff after the retirement of longtime Sheriff Ron Brown. The Arkansas Razorbacks open the 2021 football season Saturday with a home game against Rice. We'll have all the coverage you need in our paper and on our websites, nwalon.com and wholehogsports.com. Those stories and much more will be available through the long holiday weekend for our subscribers at nwalon.com and in our replica edition and tablet and smartphone apps. If you're not a subscriber and don't want to miss out, Click the subscribe button on our website or give us a call at 479-684-5509. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Have a safe and happy Labor Day weekend. This is Rusty Turner signing off for Know the News. 